You're listening to the podcast of East River Park Christian Church. If you'd like to find out more information about the church or donate to this ministry, please visit us at eastriverpark.church. We pray that this is an encouragement to you as you grow in Christ through the local church. Several months ago, I was invited to speak at a youth retreat in southern Illinois. Um, went to Boyce Bible College uh, with the pastor and his wife, and say many moons ago, and I was honored and humbled that they would ask me to speak. And the thing for the, that week was, or that weekend was Wake the Dead in Ezekiel 37, which was a challenge enough. Um, so I would speak three different times to students and then conclude on Sunday morning. And so this this past weekend, I made an eight-hour drive to Robinson, Illinois, to be with First Baptist Church, and it was good, so good to see old friends, it was so good to meet new friends, um, so good to hear that two of their students gave their life to Christ that Saturday night, and so I'm, I'm thankful for those that, that knew about that, uh, for just praying for me in that church this past weekend. It was good. It was good to encourage another local church. And yet Monday was coming. And I drove back Sunday night, uh, and I pulled into our driveway right at midnight. And I woke up Monday and just could not shake this feeling. You know that feeling when um, you have this just mental fog right when you wake up? You're like, I don't even know where I'm at. Um, I don't know if I'm dreaming. I don't know if I'm awake. It, it just would not go away. And there was no amount of caffeine that would just shake this feeling. And so my mind had finally hit the wall. Weeks of preparation and caught up, plenty of driving, plenty of conversations, plenty of teaching. And I was wrung out and exhausted. And yet the simple answer is, I just needed to rest. I just needed to chill out. I just needed to do something that I enjoyed and then go take a nap. So Monday was not productive in a worldly sense, uh, but it wasn't necessary. And maybe that's what you need this morning. Maybe you've been going full speed for too long and you just need to take a break. And I remember one of my professors in uh, Bible college, she would tell us, sometimes the most holy thing you can do is to take a nap. And so you might be exhausted this morning because you've been running too hard for too long and you just need to slow down. And yet there is another kind of exhaustion in this life. The difficult but true reality is that you might be exhausted this morning um, because your heart is not right with God. You've been living in unrepentant sin for so long, and it's literally destroying you from the inside out. It's possible 
that the angst you feel in your heart and in your mind and in your soul is a sin issue that will not be eradicated by a day off or a vacation. It's a kind of torment that can only be removed by a heart that is right with the Lord. So let me show you what happens when you and I have no peace with God. We're going to be in 1 Samuel 16. If you have a digital Bible, I'll read out of the ESV. Um, If you have a bulletin, it all fit in the bulletin this weekend, all the scriptures, so that's good. (laughs) Um, But before we, we walk through the text and study the text, let's pray together. Father, we we want to humbly come before you and first confess um, that we often try to be the savior of our own world, our own situation, our own family. God, we often say yes to good things that we we should say no to. We often run too hard for too long and the saints just need to take a break. So God, um, give us the boldness and the confidence to do so, to rest our minds and our bodies. But God, we've come here to study um, an important passage about a kind of of angst in in our life that happens when we refuse to listen to you. A kind of torment in our soul when we have no peace with the Holy God. So God, give us understanding um, as we read your text. This morning, God, give us grace, and we pray these things in your Son's name. Amen. Last week, Jason Baker um, gracefully introduced us to David in chapter 16. We first find Samuel. He's grieving over everyone and everything that has taken place, and now it's the Lord's turn to choose a king for his people. And it will be one of the most unlikely choices from the sons of Jesse, the shepherd boy David, would be chosen and anointed by Samuel to be the next king of Israel, like the kind of man that would listen to the Lord, the kind of man that would love the Lord with all his heart, the kind of man that would point us to the greater God-man. David was anointed king. Hope is rising in the narrative And yet, we're still not done with Saul. The ugliness of the story is not over. David might have been anointed, but Saul was still king. And we find the king in a a dark, um, a tormented, and an exhausted situation. Let's look at verse 14. So 1 Samuel 16, starting in verse 14. It says, now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. And Saul's servant said to him, behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. Let our Lord now command your servants who are before you to seek out a man who is skillful in playing the lyre. And when the harmful spirit from God is upon you, he will play it, and you will be well. So Saul said to his servants, we'll provide for me a man who can play well and bring him to me. 
One of the young men answered, Behold, I have seen the son of Jesse, a Bethlehemite, who is skillful in playing, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence. The Lord is with him. Therefore Saul sent messengers to Jesse and said, Send me David, your son, who is with the sheep. And Jesse took a, doc, a donkey laden with, with bread and a skin of wine and a young goat and sent them by David, his son, to Saul. And David came to Saul and entered his servant, his service, and Saul loved him greatly, and he became his armor-bearer. And Saul sent to Jesse, saying, Let David remain in my service, for he has found favor in my sight. So whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David took the lyre and he played it with his hand. So Saul was refreshed and was well, and the harmful spirit departed from him. When you have no peace with God, meaning when your heart is not right with God, when you have unconfessed sin that you continue to live in, when you have no peace with God, people will react in three different ways. Um, Three different ways that we see represented in our passage this morning. Let me give you the first one if you're a note taker. Point one. Simply people will notice that you're not okay. That you're not okay. Verse 14, it introduces us to a problem for Saul's life. It's the kind of problem that might conflict with our theology this morning. It's the kind of problem that honestly I didn't really hear about growing up in church. Verse 14 says, Now the Spirit of the Lord separated from Saul, and a harmful spirit from the Lord tormented him. So Saul has been living this selfish, prideful, disobedient life for several chapters, and the Lord has rejected him as king, and now we see that the Spirit of the Lord has left Saul. I would first say that this leaving of the Holy Spirit is different here in the Old Testament, than the indwelling of the Holy Spirit that we see in the New Testament. Meaning the Holy Spirit was not permanently indwelling the believers of God in 1 Samuel 16, but the Holy Spirit was resting upon them in profound ways. Like we even see proof of this in the way that David would pray in the Psalms. Look at Psalm 51 verse 11. It says, cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. So what's clear in the text is that it's just now ended for Saul. The Holy Spirit has left him. The Lord is no longer with him. But that's not the most controversial issue. The second half of verse 14 says, And a harmful spirit of the Lord tormented him. That's what messes with our theology. It was a harmful spirit from the Lord. And it's not even the first time that we hear about something like this. If you go back to Judges 9, verse, 20, verse 23. And God sent an evil spirit between Abimelech and the leaders of Shechem. And the leaders of Shechem dealt treacherously with Abimelech. Now most scholars would say that the Lord's not sending demons to attack these people, but rather um, an angel of judgment. Although I wouldn't rule that out, um, it seems to me that the Lord is far more likely to be handing Saul over to Satan. 
He's handing Saul over to Satan because of Saul's just consistent and unrepentant disobedience. And let me carefully say, that can and still happen today. Listen to the terrible account of sexual sin that is in the church in Corinth. This is 1 Corinthians 5. It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, a kind that is not tolerated even among pagans, for a man has his father's wife. And you are arrogant, ought you not rather to mourn? Let him who has done this be removed from among you. For though he, for though absent in body, I am present in spirit. And as if present, I have already pronounced judgment on the one who did such a thing. When you are assembled in the name of the Lord Jesus, and my spirit is present in the power of our Lord Jesus, you are to deliver this man to Satan for the destruction of the flesh, so that his spirit might be saved in the day of the Lord. Meaning there must be room in our theology to be disturbed by the Lord in our sin. There can be a lack of peace with God that can cause us to be handed over to Satan for the destruction of flesh. And that's, that's really bad news for someone. Um, it's the most extreme level of punishment on this side of eternity that we see in the Bible. Usually happens when we excommunicate someone from the local church. That's really bad news for Saul. And yet the purpose of that torment is not without hope. The goal is that the person might repent and be saved in the day of the Lord. So removing a believer from the church because of unrepentant sin is not being judgmental in the way our world sees that. It's being biblical and hoping that they repent. That's what we see in 1 Samuel 16, 14. Saul has now been handed over to an enemy that's far greater than the Philistine army. He's being tormented by a harmful spirit. There's no peace in his life. The Lord will not allow it. And with that much-needed context, how do the people react? Well, they actually diagnose the issue correctly. Look at verse 15. Saul's servants said to him, Behold, now a harmful spirit from God is tormenting you. It's apparent that Saul's done listening to the Lord. He's done listening to the priest. He's done listening to his own son. He is now listening to men that are called when they're beckoned. Saul has surrounded himself with yes men. He's finally listened to someone other than himself. And surprisingly, the servants notice that their master is not all right. Even more surprisingly, they correctly diagnose what's wrong. But the truth is, when you have no peace with God, when the, the Lord is no longer with you, when you're being tormented by the forces of evil, when you're being harmed by the sin that rages in you, I promise you this, people are going to notice. They will notice through your demeanor. They will notice by the things you say. They will notice by the way that you carry yourself with your actions. Like you don't think 
I notice as a pastor. Like, you don't have to tell me that sin is eating you alive. You wear it so well. You don't think my wife notices it in me? Like, I don't have to tell her when my heart is not right with God. It is so obvious. When there's no peace with you and God, I promise you people will know this. Give it time. Decay is never first noticed on the outside. It's a kind of rot that is within until it's apparent to others. You see this in James 1, verse 13. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil. And maybe importantly to our passage this morning, he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Desire, when it was, has conceived, gives birth to sin. Sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Just give it time, friends. Our hearts always reveal what's going on. If you aren't right with the Lord, people will begin to notice that you're not okay. And when you have no peace with God, here's point two. Simply, people will offer advice to fix that problem. <clears throat> the servants have some advice. Uh, they know their king's in a bad spot. And as you'll be able to tell later in 1 Samuel, the servants might have been negatively impacted by this harmful spirit on Saul. But regardless, they have some advice for him. Saul, so like, this has been a lot for you. I know you're miserable. I know you can't go on like this. We think we've got a good plan. Maybe the playing of music. Maybe the, when you hear music, this harmful spirit will leave. And, and, and we think someone specifically that's good with a liar will get it done. Perfect. <laughs> well, bring me the man. So I've, I've actually seen a guy that can play. Um, He's one of the sons of Jesse. He's skilled on the lyre. When you have no peace with God, everyone in the mo- and their mother is going to offer you advice to fix the problem. Just need to buy this. Just need to go to this. You just need to visit this. You just need to take this. You just need to think this. Advice was immediate from the servants, and to be fair, They were spot on with it. Go get David, that son of Jesse. But listen to the way that they describe David. We tend to think David um, as some pathetic, weak son, some dainty musician petting sheep out in the field. But that's not the reputation that he has or will continue to have. No, they describe him in verse 17. It says, a man of valor, a man of war, prudent in speech, a man of good presence, and the Lord is with him. David's not some unqualified loser just begging to be called upon. He was a proven strong leader then, and the Lord was with him. So strangely, the advice from the servants is actually spot on. If the Lord has left Saul, well, let's bring in the guy who has the Lord with him. Like, don't you see the Lord's sovereign hand in all of this? The advice from servants preordained by God, the meeting between the rejected king and the anointed king. Of course, like the servants didn't know that. They just offer advice to fix the problem. Maybe a little music will soothe the soul. 
Maybe a little music from the lyre will calm that tormented heart. People will notice when you're not okay. People will offer advice, some good, some bad. But everyone has an opinion to fix someone else's problems except their own. And here's the thing. It, it often kind of works. When you have no peace with God, let me give you point three. People will provide a temporary solution. <clears throat> Once Jesse gets the news, he sends David to Saul with bread and a skin of wine. It's at this point that David entered into the service of Saul. At this point, he became an armor bearer for the king. David was loved by Saul, maybe the son that he wished he had for now. He sent word to Jesse for David to stay with him as his servant. And again, you know, it just kind of worked. That advice from the servants, it kind of worked. Look at verse 23. Whenever the harmful spirit from God was upon Saul, David grabbed the lyre and played. It says that Saul was refreshed by the music. He was made well. The harmful spirit departed from him. The advice kind of worked for a while. Look at 1 Samuel 18. Well, it'll be on the screen. That's all everyone looked down at their Bible. Um, verse 10, it says, The next day, a harmful spirit from God rushed upon Saul, and he raved within his house while David was playing the lyre. While he was playing, as he did day by day. So obviously, it was consistently happening every day. Saul had his spear in his hand, and Saul hurled the spear, and for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David invaded him twice. See, the music concert was just a temporary solution. It worked for a while. But at some point, even music couldn't contain the anger and jealousy and pride that lurked in Saul's life. The truth is, the servants only offered a band-aid when Saul needed heart surgery. It was a temporary solution, but it didn't offer an eternal solution. Saul didn't have peace with God, not because he didn't have enough worship music in his life. Saul didn't have peace with God because he refused to follow the Lord. And no song or dance can fix a broken heart. People are going to offer you temporary solutions to your eternal problems. Maybe, hey, maybe you just need to go to the gym more. Maybe you just need to eat better. Maybe you just need to go to bed earlier. Maybe you just need to have more fun and loosen up. Maybe you just need to buy this product. Maybe you just need to visit this person. Maybe you just need to take this medication. And here's the thing. Um, it does work in the temporary. Being real honest here, um, I was on 50 milligrams of Zoloft for about a year. That wasn't 10 years ago. Um, that was since I've been your pastor. And... 
man, did it stop those panic attacks. And it stopped that feeling of dread that I could not shake on my own. Medication and therapy are not a crutch. It can be a gift from God that can offer some serious help in our life. It can be a gift from God. Healthy food, going to the gym, visiting with friends, going on a vacation, good music. It's a gift from God. And yet those things will never offer peace with God if we don't have a heart that's right before the Lord. And I can take a handful of Zoloft every morning, but unless I repent of my own sin, I'm just numbing what needs to be brought before the cross of, the Christ, of, cross of Christ. Like the moral of the story is not that we need less gifts. Like these common grace gifts can be a, a blessing. They can drive us to see more clearly. They can quiet many of the unhealthy voices in our mind. But guess what we don't see when the harmful spirit leaves Saul? When David plays the liar and the harmful spirit departs and Saul was refreshed and Saul was well, guess what we don't see? Repentance. Saul never addressed the one thing that's causing the disturbance of peace between him and the God of Israel. It was just a good gift used as a temporary solution to fix an eternal problem. And that will always lead to no peace with the Holy God. Friday morning, um, I was texting with a friend uh, that I think stress is the number one killer in America. Um, I don't I don't have any stats for that. Maybe I just made it up. Um, I can't prove it. The truth is, 100 years ago, we were dealing with problems within our own community. That was it. Our stress, although it might have been life or death, had, I mean, it had a small radius just to the area that we lived. And today with technology, we now get distressed about the entire world. Like, not only do I have to worry about Carter County, my phone is telling me about all of the information that's ever existed and all of the world's problems in real time. And we spend the week scrolling through this device and think, I wonder why I don't feel at peace right now. (laughs) And my friend, he told me, like, I haven't missed social media one bit in the past couple of years. I get it. Um, I think that's a healthy choice. The sad thing I see trending right now on Facebook, um, it's probably not for you. Hopefully it's not. It just happens to be on my newsfeed. I have a lot of friends uh, that have had loved ones die recently. And I keep hearing this line, and, and maybe you've even said it before, they're now at peace. And I'm not knocking that. I'm really not. Um, I understand what we mean by that. I understand when 
when we write rest in peace as the tagline for tombstones, I understand. But friends, I want to be clear this morning, like you and I don't have to wait until we die to experience real peace. True peace, lasting peace, eternal peace is only found when we stand right before the Holy God. And we don't need to wait until death. Because that might not prove as lucrative as the unbeliever assumes. And we don't need to wait until everything in our life is perfect. Because that's just not going to happen on this side of eternity. No, we need to repent and turn to the Lord. That's your main point. Saul never found it. Tormented in his hard heart until death. And that does not need to be our story. I know that you want peace in your life. I do. Because I want it too. But let us first want peace with the Holy God. I'll end with 2 Chronicles 7. Verse 14, if my people who are called by my name just humble themselves, just pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, and I will hear from heaven, I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. Let's pray together. Mm-hmm.